This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and this is always one of our special podcasts because we do it with our lifetime members of Eat Perform. We get to dive into advanced topics, so that's always fun. And then we also had a new crop of lifers that just joined. Um, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of, of eight to 10,000 lifers. I haven't really checked lately. But uh, it's kind of interesting when you look at it from that perspective that, you know, a lot of these companies that do something that kind of looks similar to Eat to Perform, people don't really stick around. And there's always like this huge turnover. And I've always believed that our lifers kind of set the foundation. Um, you'll see people, as an example, we've been talking about trend sheets and the wave method. These were all things that existed eight years ago, right? Um, and people are still around that were using those things, which is obviously, well, I, I would love to think that we're a lot better than that. <laughs> um, and I definitely think we are. Uh, with me today is Carolyn Melee. Carolyn um, is our token Canadian. And so that's one of the reasons why we keep her around along with being an amazing coach. Um, and then Becky is the director of coaching here at Eat and Perform. So if you want to suck up to Becky, if you ever want to become a coach of Eat and Perform, it's probably smart to do. Uh, the other thing is that Becky is a new grandmother. And so she um is just i'm i'm actually shocked that she's here but then uh i'm also not shocked that she's here because she's becky and that's how becky's work um yes anyway there you go there's becky okay so uh what we're going to talk about today is the idea of trying to set up your fat loss cycles so that you don't have to do them for years to come, right? And so this was a concept that I wanted to kind of work through because a lot of people, um, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of see my new kitchen. Um, my wife was a little bit more obsessed with it than I was, but uh, I am actually to have, happy to have it. I'm also happy to have all my stuff back. Um, and my wife's not not happy. You can see the blender there for our protein shakes. Um, she's not happy to have that blender on that counter. So I'm going to have to figure that out at some point. Um, but it was all clean. There was nothing on it. And there was no sock monkey with uh, one arm. Um, but now there is. And so we were... We were dog sitting for my niece and the dog, the the monkey lost the arm to the dog. Um, and that's just the way that that goes. But um, yeah, so if you're not familiar, um, I basically went, hold on. But yeah, so if you're not familiar, uh, basically I went seven years without running a fat loss cycle. I, I talked about this on the podcast the other day. I don't know if anybody's listened to that one. Um, that one's a little bit more for kind of newer people, but you know, there's always some fun stuff that comes out of it. And so I talked a little bit about um, 
what I feel my role is. My role is to do kind of the harder things that we ask all of you to do, right? And so instead of, you know, doing a fat loss cycle every six months, right? I do seven years. Instead of getting my PR numbers to 2,900, I go to 4,000, right? Because I want to show all of you that I'm willing to do the things that we're asking you to do. But also, I want to show you that this is real. It's better, right? Um, I understand that I'm a man and that we're talking to a lot of women, but the women that do this also see this, this same result. And logically, you know, it just makes sense that it's just that much better, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's not just about getting your calories higher. So like if you get your calories higher for three weeks, you know, and you get your calories to 2,500, it's not substantially better than having 2,500 you know, as a woman for three years, right? So I want to I want to walk through hitting some of these bigger goals so that you can um, stay out of fat loss for three years or so, right? Five years. Um, that's actually how I view it. Um, is that each five years I sort of review and go, am I in a place that I would I'm okay with? And should I continue on? That's how I ended up getting, you know, going through age 50. I think I did like a little like mini cut or something um, just to kind of stay in the range where I'm at. But but nothing, nothing that really changed all that much, um, which means that if you're trying to hit these bigger goals, um, you can extend these cycles a little bit longer. I don't know that necessarily you want to extend fat loss one, but you could, you know, whenever you're losing weight, you should continue on and your coach will allow you to do that, right? What your coach won't allow you to do is just continue to suffer and hope that things get better, right? Because that's just not how it works. Your body does adjust to all of this very quickly. And so fat loss one, could you make it eight weeks? You could, you know, um, if you believe that you have 20 to 30 pounds to lose, you know, maybe extending it to eight weeks kind of makes sense so that you can lose, you know, 10 to 12 rather than, you know, seven to nine, you know, that might make some sense. Um, I know for myself, I'll be having a discussion with Becky about myself and my friend, we're going to kind of extend the middle phase a little bit longer because we do have enough energy and we are both still losing weight. And so um, after my AP, just for everyone's information, I am right now down 9.8 um, and just going into my fourth week. Um, and so if you've been following, you know, there was a lot of loss right in the beginning. Um, obviously, that's water weight. Uh, I always think it's so funny that people discredit water weight as if it's, you know, like no big deal. And then every article they read is about inflammation, right? Um, it's like, you know, if you're eating mostly whole foods, 
lean meats, things of this nature to avoid inflammation. And then you're wondering why you can't lose weight. That's a little bit of the issue, right? Um, also, when you're avoiding inflammation, you're avoiding being anabolic overall. Um, it's kind of hard to get a lot of calories from chicken and kale. And so um, you have to allow for your body to sort of adjust and inflammation is part of that. Now, chronic inflammation, you have to look in the mirror and go, am I 300 pounds? Because if I'm not 300 pounds, then I don't have a chronic inflammation problem. Am I 180 pounds as at 5'3 as a female? I mean, I would still argue you probably don't, you know, especially if you're active, you know, if you're lifting weights, things of this nature, chronic inflammation, the thing that sort of causes disease is a result of overconsuming, right? Somewhat overconsuming sugars and things of this nature, but, but really the big uh, saturated fats, really the big factor related to those things is that most of the people that are in that situation don't have mechanisms to actually burn that fat, use that fat, build muscle, things of that nature. Those things might seem to be a negative in some sense, but they can also be a positive if the goal is to try and build muscle. And so when we look at, okay, well, what happened in those seven years you weren't dieting? Well, about 20 pounds of muscle, right? And so, so you, you know, one of the things that I'm looking at maybe doing, I, I just, I just don't, you know, there's enough, you know, shirtless pictures of Paul Nobles on the internet already, you know, but I am trying to, I'm, I am thinking about recreating that three picture that I use um, and um, just kind of show people like what I look like at 190 um, or, or, you know, once this is done 184 or whatever, because I mean, at 162 uh, compared to 190, not a demonstrable difference. I'm I'm fairly certain I'm bigger, but like I can literally look in the mirror with that same positioning that I had in that third picture and it looks real similar, right? So I think that's one of the things that we have to really talk about as we're having this discussion is that if you're gonna lift weights, if you're gonna eat more, you're gonna build muscle. And so if you're building muscle as you go, doesn't it stand to reason that you, you know, are going to gain some weight, right? And so I understand you would like to gain lean mass and replace it by fat and, and things of this nature. And you want to be maybe even a little bit obsessive about it. You know, I would just want to know how much of your income do you derive from that? Because without that kind of incentives, chocolate cake is actually just going to seem more appealing. And you know what? I think that that's okay. You know, I think that doing this to have a more flexible approach to the way we eat is actually more incentive for each of us on a daily basis than abs, you know. Um, now, are many of you more fit than you used to be because you're eating more and you understand the process and things of that nature? Absolutely, right? And could you 
do a six month cycle with a really aggressive cut with, you know, six to eight cycles down? Absolutely. Is that the answer for the good majority of people? Um, what most people don't know is that there's a strong relationship to bodybuilding in what we do, but there's a reason why I've always distanced away from bodybuilding because I say this all the time that the minute you show me the first person that went down the road of bodybuilding that has a good relationship with food, it will literally be the first person I've seen. Um, it, it really destroys your mentality because there is something about seeing kind of the best version of us that does cause like body dysmorphia. And uh, I think it's a dangerous thing to play with. I can tell you that from my perspective, I was never that enamored with it. Um, you know, seeing, you know, eight pack veiny. Um, it, it's sort of interesting because right now, you know, I'm roughly 15, 16%. And I still have veins in my abs. You know, they're just not like those visible things that you see because my, my body fat's lower. But what, what was funny is that once I got down to, to 149, you know, well, one, the abs never showed. Um, and, and they only show, or not the abs, um, the veins um, never showed until I had like the pancakes afterwards. And then once the, 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 ab, the veins popped out, they literally never went away, right? Even at like 208, I can still feel, you know, below my navel and still feel like, you know, for uh, veiny abs or whatever, or veiny um, veins uh, in that region. And so it's kind of funny how that has gone over the years. Um, but I think what happens is that you know, we want to follow these celebrity diets and things of this nature, but we don't have like the $20 million worth of incentives, right? And so I think if we're all realistic with ourselves, we can go, and this is a discussion I can have with all of you, that I think a lot of people just following the podcast that aren't lifers, haven't been through the process, haven't been through this ringer of dieting the most of their life, maybe won't get that it's actually better right? Like not only physically, but mentally, you know, it's just freeing to have this perspective as it relates to kind of how we, you know, view food, the approach and, and, and whether or not it's worth it or not. Um, I personally think that it's worth it. Uh, one thing that I am thinking about doing is shortening my cycle to about three years instead of five. I just think that, um, one, you're going to gain weight, right? Like, I mean, when you when you go five to seven years, you're going to gain weight, you know? And I talked about this in, in the other podcast the other day, but, um, you know, I'm a 53-year-old man, you know? And I made a video the other day and it was kind of um, at a bad angle. And, you know, I thought to myself, you know, I'm not gonna post this um, because I you know, 
I, I I want, you know, there's one angle where I have a definite jawline and there's one angle where I don't, you know, and uh, I just posted it, you know, because I can't tell all of you to have these perspectives and then not be the example. And I, I, I totally get it, by the way, that more of you relate to Sarah Hoffman and Stephanie and Cindy and all these female examples than you do of me. Right. Um, I also don't think that there's many guys going, huh, Paul Nobles. Yeah. Want to look like that dude. Right. Um, I just don't see that as kind of a thing. You know, I do think that the guys that do eat perform um, do appreciate the freedoms. Right. Um, but I'm not out here, you know, trying to get, you know, my income is not derived from me having eight pack abs. Right. And then, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of people that kind of sound like eat to perform. And then when you get to the details of it, right, they're, they're always dieting. I mean, there was this one prominent guy that I used to have a really good relationship with. Um, but man, the guy's like dieting every two months, you know, and it's like, well, move to maintenance, you know, back to the cut, move to maintenance, back to a cut. And it's like, dude, you're, you're, you're 145 pounds. You know what I mean? Like you've been 145 pounds for 10 years, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he's, he's lean and I understand for women, the, the incentives to be smaller are bigger than, than, you know, it is for, 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 um, for men, but like, I just don't know if I was a guy that I would want to listen to that guy, you know? Um, but, you know, there are a lot of guys that probably do, you know, it's not like this whole body dysmorphia thing is unique to women, you know? Um, there are a lot of guys that see other guys, but genetically, you know, most of the really lean, taller, 200 pound guys, you know, their dad was a lean, taller, 200 pound guy, you know, I'm, I'm five, eight, you know, so for me to be like super lean, you know, I'd have to be, you know, probably 160, 165. It just feels small to me, you know? Um, and so, so, you know, I just don't have a, a lot of incentives to do that. And so, we have to really think about what our incentives are and why do we want that that much, right? And then if you go, well, because think about what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to go through the holidays. I'm asking you to go through, you know, the summer. I'm asking you to treat your life in a way of abundance that you know, if you're normally like there was a, a post, I think Angie's on the call right now. Um, I don't know if I'm saying her name that uh, correct or if it's Angie, but um, either way, she's on the call right now. And she was talking about how she's had to mentally become comfortable, you know, being in the 160s. Anybody seeing her pictures, you know, like she'd win all the stuffed animals. No one would think she's in her 160s, right? So I think that we all have kind of these thought processes of what we weigh and how much we weigh, right? That don't really kind of matter at the end of the day, you know? And um, 
I think that this idea, you know, there's something very American about the way that we view um, our bodies because, you know, when you go to South America, when you go to Europe, um, there's a lot of people in bikinis and, you know, famously Speedos and things of this nature, and they're fine. They're doing good. You know what I mean? There's just not this stigma. And I really think the stigma overall is, is in our heads, right? Like no one at the beach is thinking about you, right? No one, no one. Um, and I know like, like we all, okay, I'm lying. We all on the beach are looking around, but you know what? We're all going, huh? Wow. She's brave. You know, I wish I had that kind of, like when I see, you know, one of these guys from Europe rocking a Speedo, you know, um, there's a part of me that's like, you know what? Do you, man? You know, and I think that we're all kind of getting there, that we're all kind of messing ourselves up mentally for no reason, right? And so um, kind of keep that in mind as we're talking about these goals is that, you know, what if you were a little heavier, like in the case uh, um, that I was just talking about, you know, what if she pushed it to 170 for next summer, right? Just to see what it would be like. And guess what? It probably wouldn't make any difference at all. You know, you'd probably perform better in the gym. You'd lift more weights, things of this nature. I mean, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize, um, and this was actually really hard for me, when I started transitioning from CrossFit, you know, I wanted to see, because I, I was one of the strongest people in my gym for my size. Um, and so I wanted to kind of push that. And so I left CrossFit temporarily, um, which is kind of interesting because if you don't know the history of Eat to Perform, um, Eat to Perform was initially called CrossFitters Eat to Perform, right? So, so all I was trying to do was talk to essentially the people at my gym and tell them you need to eat more, you know, if you want to be strong, like, like I'm doing, you know, but, you know, there was like limits of strength and I wanted to know what I needed to do to get stronger than that. Right. Cause I wanted to deadlift 500 pounds, which I ultimately ended up doing. And, um, in that process, you know, I knew I had to gain weight, right? And I was still body fat testing, things of this nature. And at the highest, I got to 190. Now, you know, when you go from 149, you know, this is like three or four years later to 190, that takes some mental fortitude to, to willingly be able to do that. But what I'm about to tell you next is the thing that really took the mental fortitude because this was a, a level I just did not know about at this point. I just hadn't put it in practice the way that we were talking about. It was somewhat theoretical because it was a little bit like the, the guy that's 145 pounds talking to dudes about gaining muscle, right? Or, you know, all these keto people that you know 
have abs, but once again, kind of smaller, or if they are bigger, they're just genetically made like that. Um, so a body fat testing and literally not only did I all the weight. So this was, this was, I went from roughly 165 to, to 190, 165, 190, 25 pounds of pure fat nothing but fat, <laughs> right? So you go, whoa, you know, why is that? Well, one, leverage against the bar matters quite a bit in weightlifting. So weight matters quite a bit when you're just trying to lift more. Also, the muscle that you're building tends to be, and, and, and I think that this fits for the long-term conversation because you know, I'm actually walking you through how difficult it can be to gain weight, right? And so um, finding out that not only had I gained 25, but it actually was like 27 pounds of fat, right? Um, now, was I unhealthy? No, I was going to their doctor. My blood work was all great, things of this nature. So there was nothing unhealthy about what was going on. Right. I, I feel like some people might have a difficult difficulty processing that, right? Like that you could put on body fat and that it's somehow unhealthy. Well, I was pretty active, right? Um, I was just active doing something different. And resistance training really does make a difference. But what was the key? The key was um, this is actually interesting because I'm starting to piece it together mentally. Um, the time frames, because this is the time right before the seven years, right? And so, so when I talked about my last fat loss cycle was seven years ago, that was the time I'm talking about, right? So once I lifted the 500 pounds, once I kind of reached those goals, um, then I knew what I needed to do. I needed to do more of a bodybuilding type workouts. And that's when the 20 pounds of muscle came, right? So that was a process of about two years. And I really enjoyed that process while it is, I don't necessarily love that style of training, um, but I did at that moment. And, and it was it was really easy to see why. I was finally becoming the size of man I wanted to be, right? I mean, the size of the man that at 135 in high school was being picked on, you know? Um, and, you know, I wish that teenage boys knew what I learned in that moment. You know, I wish they would want to hear what this old man has to say. And I, I just don't think that they do, you know? Um, but I see, I live by a high school, by the way, and I just see these little dudes running around, you know, and they, they all have their shirts off and they all have kind of, you know, abs, right. But, but, but no muscle, you know, and a little, that is, is time and age, you know, and, um, and so uh, I want to say that the muscle I gained probably would have been like 10 to 15 pounds. And then the last 10 pounds is sort of happened after the testosterone replacement. 
Um, and so, um, which I talk about all the time, I'm not going to revisit that. Um, but, you know, I had low testosterone. And so I needed to address that. And I addressed that. Um, and I take it and it works really well for me. And so I do, I am an advocate for hormone replacement. What I'm not an advocate for is doing hormone replacement without doing the 10 years that I did without it right? To see if I can fix the problem by myself. And I couldn't. So once I did the sets and reps, muscle started to come back. I could look in the mirror and go, wow, big changes. What happened and why? When I started powerlifting and could deadlift 500 pounds, could squat 350. When I was at CrossFit, I could barely, you know, I, I, you know, I could get up an ugly 405, you know, for a deadlift. I could, you know, squat 285, um, things of that nature. Um, but I was 165 at that point. There was just limits to what my strength was going to be. My form wasn't phenomenal. Um, I was kind of, I wasn't hurt a lot, but I, you know, I kind of got nicked up a lot. I actually thought I was going to end up breaking myself in powerlifting and everything healed, right? Because those big hulking guys and gals, you know, they just wouldn't let me do the lifts without doing them correctly. And so I just thanked them. They, they probably saved my life in terms of, of weightlifting. And you know, everybody brags about the communities that are built um, in CrossFit. We had that same community in powerlifting. Um, There's those same communities at Orange Theory. You know, fit people tend to like to be around other fit people, you know, and so you can find that no matter what you do. Um, and, and a hiking club, you know, is, is similar in my mind. And so um, now all of a sudden, right, you're trying to build muscle. And it wasn't like I was immune to sets and reps previously, but when you're doing dumbbells at 35, as opposed to 105, you know, it's just going to change your body more, just quicker, right? Um, and so because I got so much stronger, it allowed my body to adapt to the resistance so much more. I think a lot of people play in the shallow end you know, really for a very long time, you know, for women, as an example, you know, Sarah wrote a great article I'm actually going to publish. She's talked about this, you know, about how women are scared to look manly, you know. Um, trust me, if you're a woman working with 55 pounds, you're going to get the arms you want, right? You're going to get a lot of the things that you want, um, you're not going to, you just don't have the testosterone to build the kind of muscle. Um, when you see the examples of women that look manly, oftentimes those women are taking supplements, supplements um, that, you know, they're comfortable with the consequences, right? Because they want to, um, it's more important to them to lift heavier, to be leaner than it is to have a more, you know, 
female aesthetic, whatever that means, right? A little softer look or whatever. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, you're not going to define nature, right? Nature naturally. Um, well, here's the one thing that's interesting. When we're talking about um, how someone feels, like for a longest time, you know, um, I myself did not, I, I legitimately did not appreciate athletic physiques. I, I you know, um, it, it didn't mean anything to me, um, both male and female, right? Um, I'm just speaking to you as a person looking at other people. There was just not this want for me to have eight pack abs um, or, you know, be attracted to a woman as an example with eight pack abs. Um, I just liked what I like, right? Um, I hope everybody appreciates what I'm saying there. I'm trying to be um, politically correct, but you know, this just is what it is. Well, guess what? Once I started working out, I started to appreciate what it takes to do that. And then it started to become, you know, something that, you know, I appreciated, right, um, visually. Um, and it's something that I wanted for myself, right? And so um, I think once you put in the work and you realize how hard it is to get that, you naturally, you know, appreciate it more. Um, I think there's probably like these wishes out there that, you know, man, I sure wish I had that. Or, or um, there's people with relationships with themselves where, you know, they view themselves one way and then other people as kind of, you know, maybe unattainable. You know, I, I just, I never had that. So I don't know what that's like. You know, um, I do think that, you know, there has to be an element of self-love with all of this that allows us to be okay with where we're at. Um and I think you have to kind of walk through that process if you're going to go through these extended fat loss cycles, right? Um, I don't think that the people around you will always get it, right? Uh, you know, there certainly have been times within each perform where, like when I was 149, my friends were concerned about my health, right? They just thought I was too small. And then, you know, I think once around, once I got around like 175, a lot of people were like, wow, you look healthy, you know? And then once I got to 190, they were like, wow, you look like you're gaining a little bit of weight. Well, first of all, I don't need you talking about my weight, but you don't know my goals, dude, you know? And uh, I would just like to know how much you're deadlifting right now, you know? Um, and so I don't personally think that people should be talking about other people's weight. Um, I, I do kind of talk about my experience, but I talk about it from a standpoint of distance, right? Like I'm not trying to get feedback. I'm not trying to get people's approval in this regard. I, I hope we can all move in that direction. I can't say I'm perfect about it, right? Like I certainly look in the mirror and judge myself every now and again and then just go, okay, dude, you were you were 260 pounds at one point. Let's be real here. You know, um, you still have kind of abs, you know, you still, 
have kind of those veins below your navel. So the majority of people don't have that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I can appreciate how far I've come into this process, but I can't say that I'm like fully healed or will never ever think about my weight. Um, but what I would like to see people move to, right, is sort of milking the process a little bit longer. So maybe fat loss one looks like six weeks, maybe AP looks like three months, three to four months, and then fat loss two might look like eight to nine weeks instead of six weeks, right? Now, once again, remember, your coach isn't going to tell you, just suck it up and let's get to nine weeks if you're not losing weight. There's just no point in, in being miserable, right, for no reason. But as an example, if we were looking at three drops down, you would have maybe three weeks, three weeks, and three weeks. Now, this is a high level of customization that you have to talk to your coach about. Your coach is not going to bring this to you right? Your coach is going to rely on the systems that we have in place. So this is part of your advanced journey is to be having these conversations with your coach. But if you're going to do six weeks, three to four weeks in AP and try to milk it to nine weeks, you're just trying to be miserable for no reason. You're not understanding what I'm saying to you, right? We need to have these, these periods. And oh, by the way, in fat loss one, let's say that you lose 10 pounds and in the AP cycle, you gain back six of it, that might be fine, right? Because it's going to set up a scenario where you will be more lean as you go. Like I gained roughly seven pounds in that AP cycle, pushing those 4,000 calories. But if you were to look at pictures of me then compared to pictures of me now, it's different, like big time different. And I'm just at the part where I'm getting to the weights where I was at my lowest before, right? So I'm demonstrably leaner um, as it results to like, so here's a question. How, what, how is that happening, Paul? And why is it happening? Well, Dieting does have some advantages, obviously. One of the advantages is insulin um, sensitivity, right? So part of the whole process of eating form, the, the reason why the days undulate the way that they, they do is to increase your insulin sensitivity. A lot of people talk about insulin sensitivity. They keep carbs low. Um, they're eating low all the time. And they're like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure my insulin sensitivity, actually, that's a reason you can end up being more insulin resistant. The insulin sensitivity kind of works hand in glove with insulin, right? And so you, if you never, if insulin is never getting higher, there's no reason for it to be sensitive, right? So when you run your first fat loss cycle, your insulin sensitivity is going to end up being better. And so therefore you're going to be more lean as you come out of AP and go into the second fat loss cycle. So that's something to consider as you go. Now, once again, you know, 
there are lots of discussions to this process, right? I'll give you an example. Let's say that you're a woman and you're 183 pounds and you struggle losing bodily fat, um, in fat loss too, maybe it stalls out, even, even if you've got calories to 3,500 or whatever. Well, what that might be pointing to is that your hormones are not optimized in the way that mine are, right? And so it might be time to consider whether or not hormone ther therapy would be something for you. If you're 183 and 5'2", you know what I mean? And you're comfortable being that, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. You know, it's not like gonna affect your health. But if you're if you're obsessed about it and you want to be leaner, you might have to improve your hormone profile, right? So that's a little bit of what the, you know, what, what people want are answers that are irrefutable, right? And that fix all their problems. That's not how problems work, right? You have to dissect things and then, you know, and, and is your coach going to be someone that can, can, you know, counsel you on hormone therapy? No, that's what doctors are for, right? And your doctors, by the way, aren't always going to understand what your goals are. Like as an example, my um, doctor, you know, when I was unhealthy, was more than willing to put me on statins, more than willing to do all these things on um, blood pressure, Medicaid, all these things, right? But the minute I started talking about testosterone, she was like, oh, no, you know, it's like, well, wait a second. I don't understand. Like, testosterone is proactive. Everything you're doing is reactive, you know? So you're telling me that me going to the gym and busting my ass, you know, is actually less valuable to you as a, as a care provider, you know, because I just don't see a lot of people coming in here willing to put in the work that I'm willing to put in, you know? And so I think you have to consider that, right? Is that as you're talking to these healthcare providers, now we'll say this, she has come around. She has now seen I did stick with her kind of weirdly because it's like, oh, I just don't want to change doctors, you know, but once she started to see the impact of the testosterone on me, it changed her perspective, right? So sometimes you're, you know, you're going to have to pull your doctor along with you. Um, and so I'm just making the case for all of this, but these people that you're friends of yours waiting for these whooshes and all this other type of stuff, all they're doing with these super long three-month cycles and six-month cycles and things of this nature is getting to the point where they're just ultimately blowing through muscle, right? Um, and that's not where you want to be. You don't want to get it to a point where your muscle is viewed as an energy source, right? So kind of keep that in mind. Okay, so we'll get to questions. So far, I don't believe there have been any questions. Um, we will wait around for just a second here as we go. But hopefully that's informative. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people that would look at the last podcast and go, well, that sounded a little bit more advanced than maybe this is. 
Um, but this is an advanced concept because truthfully, I'm asking you to test your mental health, you know, um, and become, you know, we just actually had a staff meeting and Carolyn was in the staff meeting and she talked about that we're more about health and aging well and and things of this nature and 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 that is true you know when you ask me about what the bigger mission of eat reform i want to get all of you to 100 that's what my goals are right is that why you bought it probably not you probably saw a picture of sarah or someone's you know transformation and went i've tried everything out there it's not working this seems to make sense. So, Bonnie's question. Okay, Bonnie's asking, uh, what if you mess up your fat loss, fat loss cycle or AP and don't have much success? Well, you just reset. Um, I, I don't think that there is a, a failure, you know, um, you know, baked into the program. Like, think about... You know, I always, I always think about this when people, as an example, say that they're quitting Eat to Perform. Um, and it's like, so really, you're just quitting Eat to Perform, huh? And nothing else is going to happen? Like, like you're not just going to go back to under eating, right? Um, and, and, and that's where people go, yeah, I'm actually just going to go back to under eating, right? Because that's safe. There's no, there's no expectation as it relates to under eating. If you miss the gym, you go, you know what I mean? 1100 calories. I just don't feel like going to the gym. All the expectations change. So when you, when you're angry and you're not feeling good, you go, I'm just hungry because I'm not eating enough. Right. There's just all these kind of excuses that get to be baked in as you go. Um, I think a little bit what you're asking me, Bonnie is you know, but if I go back to normal calories, aren't I just going to gain weight? And I think that question is a little bit yes, right? Um, I think I've gotten to this place now with Eat to Perform where, because, it, you know, I could easily say to you, well, it depends on your level of effort, right? And if you bring your calories up and you put in the work, you could stay weight stable. That's true, right? But what I think you're really asking me is, is can I stay normal, right? So the two options are, I go back to under eating, stop doing eat to perform and go back to my bad ways, which had no expectation. And ultimately I was getting nowhere and frustrated, but at least I had something to blame because I was under eating. Right. So now we go, okay, I don't know that I want my effort. You know what I mean? I'm not Chris Hemsworth. You know, I'm not going to get $20 million of film. So yeah, I'm probably going to gain weight if my food comes back. Who cares? I literally just told you I, I gained 27 pounds of fat, you know, because I knew that my goal, I mean, I will say this. I will, I will, I will 100% tell you this. I knew I could get rid of that 27 pounds of fat if I needed to. That's a comfort level you might not have, right? Um, 
I also knew that I was willing to put in the effort. What was interesting is that it was sort of once I once I you know, I didn't talk about that transition, right? And I think it's important to your question is I got to that place once, you know, I got up to 190. I ended up doing a bodybuilding cycle for about two years. And then I ended up cutting. You can see all those pictures, right? Because I went to France. And so, so there's all these pictures. My profile picture on Eden Form is me in an art museum in France at 170 pounds, right? So that was my last fat loss cycle. And so, and that's me with a super cut jawline and things of this nature. And then, then, you know, people are, you look great. It's like, "Mm, you know, I mean, it's fine, you know, Um, but, but, you know, I'm also fine having cheeks, you know, I'm also fine, you know, um, I just don't, I just don't, don't just don't have those feelings. I don't think, you know, um, I think that I've gotten to that place where I'm comfortable, but, um, 100%, I knew I would eventually get back to 190. Right. And I think you have to kind of get to, I mean, I've seen your arms, Bonnie. I mean, if you're the Bonnie that I'm thinking of, you're Jack, you know, um, you being jacked seven pounds more, those arms aren't changing, right? Um, and so uh, I think that's where we're wanting to go with this. I think there's just like too many people, like, and the internet scares you, right? The internet, I mean, like, like, there will be a lot of people that listen to that 27 pounds of fat thing and go, oh my God you know, that guy, he's full of chronic inflammation and he's got, you know, saturated fats and, and all this other type of stuff. I was fine. Blood work couldn't have been better. You know, um, my body was just in, in, in really in a lot of ways, kind of the best shape it had ever been. And it allowed me to move into that bodybuilding cycle use that insulin resistance, build some muscle as a result over a couple of years. And so, you know, we think of fat as if it's not useful and it's actually very useful. Um, And, you know, I don't, I'm not a big, big guy in this regard, but I just don't think the people around you care, specifically your, your significant others. I just don't, you know, I think that, uh, if you were to ask me, you know, uh, would I prefer my wife 15 pounds lighter or would I prefer her to be who she wants to be and have wine and pizza? I 1000% want the wine and pizza, right? I want all of us to feel and be supportive of the people around us that have their own goals. Right. And, and so that's kind of what I mean there. I know I'm always treading on a little, you know, hollowed ground. There's nothing but people breaking a hollowed ground on the internet, you know? And so just please, you know, 
accept my forgiveness if I say thing, one thing out of the way, but I'm trying to have these bigger discussions, right? So that we can all get to a place where it's like, this shit doesn't matter as much as we think it does. Um, just a comment from um, Taylor. Uh, uh, enjoy the perspective. Got into this topic with my university A&P students yesterday. I can tie blood circulation to almost anything. Um, Andriette says, I would like to stay weight stable, not gaining in PR and maintain the muscle mass that I currently have. Last time I was in PR, I kept getting boosts in macros and was not weight stable. I'm happy with my fitness level and muscle mass. I'm a 64 year old triathlete who also has a huge garden and does lifting of garden material as well as weight training and yoga. I just don't wanna exercise to be the primary part of my life. And I want to be about four to five pounds lighter, but okay where I am, just don't want to gain. So, Essentially, what you're saying is, I don't want the fuel to continue to be better, right? So like, as an example, um, you're saying to me, I don't want to put in more effort, but I don't want to gain weight. Okay, that's fine. You know, um, so you're going to have to eat less as a result. Just math. You know, um, I don't know that this program is for you, right? I'm telling you this even as a lifer, you know, um, we're not going, look, we, we actually talked about this in the staff meeting. We're okay with people going away every now and again, right? Because what I think is going to happen in that scenario, first of all, the four to five pounds, not that big a deal, Right. I understand that to you, you think it's a big deal. I'm saying from a physiological standpoint, not that big a deal, right? And so there comes a time where people need to leave Eat to Perform to see what the benefits of Eat to Perform are, right? And we get that, you know? I think a lot of people walk away from this and go, you know what? my times running are a lot worse now, you know, that four to five pounds actually was helpful to me, you know, um, this idea, there's only two ways to weight, stay weight stable, okay, here they are, effort, eating less, right, that's it, you know, so if you're saying to me, well, you are saying to me, you're saying, I do not want to increase my effort, I do not want to change my training volume, I do all these things and you're saying that as a way to tell me that's my line in the sand, Paul, right? So my only option is eating less. Well, then you shouldn't have signed up to eat to perform, right? Now, once again, I do think as a lifer, you will go away, you'll start eating less and you'll start to realize your life was better four to five pounds a little bit heavier right? This idea that, that people keep boosting you, right? Um, that, you know, I'd have to see the specifics, but frankly, you know, uh, I know that not to be true. I designed the program. No one's just giving you massive amounts of food. I do understand that as a 64-year-old woman, you might not think that your body 
actually likes to be at 2200 calories or something of that, that nature you're not the only one actually susan kleiner and i have those discussions every now and again because susan's your age right um and susan actually prefers to under eat rather than put in the effort side of things and i would i tell her i was like you actually wouldn't be a great eat to performer in that regard you know and so so what we have to say is we're going to draw a line in the sand, you know, we only really know one way to help you. And what we're ultimately trying to help you do is to perform better, but also to be leaner as we go. So what you're suggesting is that as you get older, this is actually a big thing for aging. This is why um, we talk about going to 100. Um, you're not going to get to 100 if you don't keep the muscle mass that you have, right? And so what I see happen a lot with, with my family members that are older and things of this nature is they often under eat often, um, especially if they're trying to stay fit and they have all the issues, right? They, they you know, um, osteoporosis, all these other things. And, and, and meanwhile, they're walking, they're never doing resistance training, you know, they're doing too much cardio, um, things of that nature, right? What I hear you saying a little bit, right, is a little bit of the way that I feel as a 53 year old man. So if you're, if I'm feeling it, I think you're probably feeling it. I don't want to spend the rest of my life, Paul, exercising extremely to control my weight well then you're gonna have to be comfortable with your weight going up a little bit let's be real here whatever you weigh is a made-up number in your head right like you don't really know you know what your maximum weight could be you being five pounds heavier as an example um you know, might be the impetus that allows you to keep muscle that would go away that would allow you to get to 101. Instead, you die at 92 because you didn't have enough muscle to support your your frame, right? Um, there's another piece to that is that the less muscle you have, you know, the 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 less bone density you will have as you go right? Because what happens is, is your muscles and tendons basically get weaker or stronger based on the amount of nutrients that you have in your body. And so what ends up happening, especially as we age, we need to be a little bit heavier and we need to be a little bit fatter, right? Being super lean when you're 90 is how you die, right? It puts you at great risk. You know, I have, you know, a big family. I've seen a lot of people die, right? The first thing that happens to them is they get weak and lose a lot of weight. You know, you do not want to put yourself in that position. Um, she did follow up with a few things, Carolyn. I don't know if those were things that we were having discussions with but, or if we can bring those to the table. Um, she was just agreeing with you um, and your thoughts on what she was actually saying. And she is a lifer that's been here for a year and a half. I already exercise at least one hour a day and put in anywhere from 12,000 to 30,000 steps a day. Yeah, I just, I, I, I understand this is hard to hear, right? That, that being comfortable, being five pounds heavier, you know, is, is 
something that you have to sort of wrap your brain around. The good news is, is that you can see what you're secretly asking, right? And is, is the same thing all of us on this call want, right? We all, we all want to be granted a wish and we all want to stay 190 pounds or 145 pounds. It's just not how it works, right? And I think it's actually a helpful exercise for you to think to myself, what if my weight were to stay at 145 or whatever it is? I don't know. Um, you don't need to say it. I, I'm just, um, whatever it is, it is. Um, but I want you to mentally think, what if I stayed here forever? And now if you were going to stay here forever, now I need to know what you're going to do. What the life, what life would you build? Would you be a runner? Would you do all that gardening? Would you lift weights? Right? Would you drink more wine? Right? Would you have more pasta? Right? I think it's a helpful exercise for all of us to do so that we can then go, what do I really want from life? Like when you really think about it, because I think what Carolyn said in our staff meeting is so true, but that's not why people come to eat perform. It's why they stay, but it's not why they come, right? Why they come is because every other thing didn't work and they see all these people having success and they want that, right? And so, um, I, Becky's sending me a private message. Um, and so, yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, you're relatively lean, um, is, is what Becky's basically telling me. Um, but I don't know that pursuit of abs as a 64 year old woman is, is necessarily the goal, right? The goal I think is to live, live gracefully. Um, and you're, you're clearly doing that. But I don't know. I mean, is there a part of you that that, you know, doesn't want to wake up, doesn't want to work out an hour a day? You know what I mean? Is there a part of you that could maybe get to the point where if Paul is right and what he's saying is, is that if I gain 10 pounds over the next, you know, 35 years, it's going to allow me to stay alive. Right. These th these are scientific facts, by the way right? That, you know, getting too lean as you get older puts you at more risk, right? There's kind of this intersection, right? Where eating less is somewhat favorable um, until you get to about 75. And then it goes the other way, where if you eat too little, what ends up happening, or if you exercise too much or things of this nature, what ends up happening is that puts you at more risk. You know, I mean, I fell in pickleball yesterday, you know, um, and I hit the ground and I was really happy that I have a lot of muscle mass, you know, but I started to think to myself, what if I get to 65 and I don't, what happens when I fell? You know what I mean? Does my body absorb that hit as good as it did or does that hit now make my head hit the ground right these are the things that we have to be thinking about as we age there's all this vanity related to social media 
that is frankly bullshit for us. You know, if you're 53 years old, you need to be thinking about this. If you're 64, it's not optional, right? I see family members, great example. My brother-in-law died, okay? Now he died as a result of needing heart surgery and not getting it, right? Because he was scared of it. And also, you know, he was single. I always thought that worked against him because if he had kids, if he had like all these other, you know, my my mother-in-law who I think was 83 at the time had like massive, you know, open heart surgery um, at 83 um, because she wanted to be around for my kids. <laughs> that's That's pretty cool, right? And she went away from that fear. Like, think about the balls that takes, you know what I mean, at that age, you know, and she was, she lived with us and my kids knew her as a result of that. You know, my brother-in-law, this is unfortunately where the internet doesn't help people. He had convinced himself that, uh, this is the exact same situation that we're talking about is that he had convinced himself that, that he could lose weight and that it would help his situation. The die had been cast, right? The, the, it, the doctor had told him it's not if it's when, right? The internet shows you all these one-offs, but what it doesn't show you is the 97% degree of certainty, right? And in his sense, in, in, in his, well, it was a sentence. Um, in his instance, it was a 97% degree of certainty and it happened, right? As I saw him dieting, I was, I kept telling my wife, I was like, this is, this ends bad. You know, why would you make yourself weaker? Right? If you need to be stronger, what he should have been doing was got stronger right? And got surgery, you know, and he'd still be here and we'd all still get to love him, right? Think about all this bullshit in our head, you know, that's holding us back that, you know, because you have a little bit of fat in your abdominal section or something in this nature, you're willing to undereat. And I'm not speaking to you specifically now, I'm speaking in general, right? There's a lot of people that are knowingly under eating or unknowingly under eating and putting their relationship with their family at risk, right? Because you will be missed, you know? And so, so I need everybody to hear this, that, and this relates to Bonnie's question a little bit too, right? It's like, just because you messed up a cycle or it didn't go well or things of this nature, resetting and getting back to normal is fine right and it's the better way to do it and it will allow you to have a better fat loss cycle as we go but at the end of the day more of the answer is not dieting more of the time and less of the answer is dieting more of the time and i know that people think well there's got to be some degrees to that yeah okay i'll agree with you with that but i'm mostly right you know and the rest of the internet is mostly wrong. And I've yet to see anyone really do what we said. 
I don't think I've ever told this story and I'll tell it as we leave. We were having a conversation with Amazon at one point, right? And we were showing them the paradigm of what each form is and why it works and things of this nature. So we made a post and we had all of you post your macros and it freaked them the fuck out because they wanted to build a diet app, right? And we wanted to build an app where people get to live to 100. And it's so funny because I, you know, obviously I'd never talked to Jeff Bezos, but if I did talk to Jeff Bezos, who is now a very fit man, he would have understood, right? But the people underneath him didn't, right? And, um, and I, I think that we'll still, you know, I still have an ongoing discussion with them and things of this nature. They love the concept, right? They hated the specifics. They hated this idea, right? Why? Because it's harder to sell. It's so much harder to sell people on the idea of longevity of life than it is to, I can get you 30 pounds of weight loss now. You ready to sign? It's like, how many of those people are getting that 30 pounds of weight loss? Like, like that graph at the end of Noom, I'm pretty sure all of you have checked it out, right? Did you get it? Did anybody get it? No, right? One, they don't know what you're eating, right? But two, even if you were severely obese, there does get to a point where your body does adjust, right? To just eating less. Right. So all your little habits about eating grapes instead of this or or eating, you know, such and such and or eating grapes instead of almonds. Yeah. No, none of that shit really matters. It comes down to the best approach over time. And our approach is the best approach over time. There are other places that are similar. They're not better because they don't push the calories in the way that it scared Amazon to do. Right. And so I think ultimately all the machine learning, all the things that are going to happen will figure all of this out and it will look like eat to perform because I know this works. Right. And it's the only way that it works. But mentally getting past all of those feelings that we all feel, that's the tough part. Right. So I appreciate everybody being here and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye now.